Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. As you know, because you're a very intelligent person, and also, I told you last week, this is not our big episode 90 guest episode talking about Stone Ocean. Instead, what it is, is a compilation of some of my favorite bits from the first half of Stardust Crusaders, everything up to Egypt. Next week, we will be back with the big episode 90 guest episode that I'm so excited to record and share with everybody. I'm really looking forward to that one. And don't forget, you can be part of that finale episode by submitting a question to Chip Cheesum at chipandironicus.com and including Stone Ocean in the message subject. But for now, send your mind back a year and change ago to when I hated Jotaro for very different reasons. I'll still be here with some announcements after that's done. And it's weird. Everything's weird now. <laughs> Uh, everything uh, is different everything's different again this is where jojo really began uh, <laughs> i was wondering how long it would take i mean and anybody who knows like my tastes and and my mm -hmm. opinions will be surprised to know that i'm suddenly like caring about continuity in that way and let me tell you why that is yeah Dio somehow surviving, stealing Joseph's body, and, and like coming up on top in, in their eternal struggle. That's fine. That's mm -hmm. a perfectly good story. But doing it in a way that immediately, th that undercuts something uh, Jonathan saw coming and worked specifically to prevent, yeah. that's bullshit. That yeah. is fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, for sure. It, it was funny. I, I, I was remembering the first time I like went through... Or, or got to part three and, you know, saw the teaser of, of Dio's super coffin getting pulled up. And I remember back then, so, for some reason, I didn't put it together. They're like, wait a minute. How did this happen? I was like, <laughs> oh, Dio's back. And that, that, was all, that was the only thought that went through my head. But yeah, they're they're yeah. reading off this rap sheet. They seem very proud of him for street fighting, you know, taking it to to the tufts. Yeah. Oh, we wish we could get down there and also pulverize men's balls. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and crush them into powder. Yeah. Jotaro didn't kill anybody, but he sent all of them to the fucking hospital. They were apparently all armed with nunchucks and knives, and he just fist fought all of them. One of them was a former boxer. He broke 15 of their bones between all these people and, yeah, crushed their balls. Every last one. <laughs> like, he that made a point think, of it. Is that Jotaro's finishing move? Or <laughs> was that just like, okay, I beat all these guys up pretty good. They're all on the ground, you know, writhing in pain. And just to cinch it, I'm going to walk one by one and just crush all their balls just to make sure that they really don't get back up. It's his calling card. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> when he moves on to killing people in the street, they will know it's him. Yeah, yeah. It's like how Caesar's calling card was beating people with a wrench. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is at that awkward stage in a young man's life where a glam rocker ghost prevents him from shooting himself. We've all been there. <laughs> Yeah. Usually around somewhere, you know, 16, 19, you know, some people are late bloomers. Uh, I never got mine. Oh. I'm really hung up about it. More than the the being short thing, just not having my own glam the the not having my own glam rocker ghost is uh Have you tried really shooting hurts. yourself in the head? Uh not yet. I'm terrified because I'm not sure if I'll have the glam rock ghost that catches bullets or the glam rock ghost that's a, a muscular pterodactyl. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> But before he can leave, his mom come, you know, says, oh, wait, you know, don't leave yet. I got to give you a little goodbye kiss because she's the nicest mom ever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when she does that, Jotaro says, you bitch, stop clinging to your child already. <laughs> you did, uh, Your mother is so kind and you do not deserve her. <laughs> and her response to that is just, OK, have a good day. <laughs> it's the best. I love her. Yeah. It's it's funny. I I was willing to forgive the first you bitch because like okay yeah. he's he's scared he's confused mm. he's trying to like put on a, a a brave face as he has no idea what's happening to to himself or his body like okay once things calm down no fuck that he just sucks I hate him <laughs> he's he's mean he's a mean boy. Jotaro's getting annoyed at them arguing around him, so he tells them to shut the hell up, and then they just all go, damn, that dude's hot. <laughs> it's like Jotaro, 
It's like Jotaro's cursed. Yeah, yeah. Like some some sort of very tricksy witch cursed him so that what whatever tone of voice he used, women would hear it as the opposite. Yeah. That's that's why his mom's memories are all of him as such a very nice, kind boy. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't understand how he could go out beating people when he's always so kind to her. <laughs> and opens it up and uh, reveals that there's actually a murder message written (laughs) written inside of it. This just brings me back to my high school days, passing secret notes with death Death. threats. Yeah, there's just a fucking death threat in this handkerchief. Like, in between, uh, you know, being chased by all those girls and us uh, uh, reading zany VG quotes during physics class. (laughs) Yeah, this was happening all All the time. time. People were just jealous of how many marshmallows you could eat at once. (laughs) (laughs) Oh what uh, oh god that was a bad day that was a good bad day <laughs> It was a good bad day I mean I felt I was worried when you accidentally swallowed one marshmallow whole cuz there were too many in your mouth at once <laughs> and I thought you were going to choke to death Uh the it thing felt it was a marshmallow so Oh yeah that must have been fucking gross it looked nasty man <laughs> Please Jojo let's trade moms you clearly don't want yours She's so nice That's something we have in common we can trade moms Holly seems like the mom who, like, even though Jotaro is 16, would still tucks him in at night. She tries. <laughs> or at least tries to. And also seems like the mom who is always giving him, like, milk and cookies mm-hmm, all the mm-hmm. time. He eats them. He's, he doesn't smile, but he will eat them when she's not looking. <laughs> yeah, while she's gone, he, he eats the cookies and, like, muffled just like, thanks for the cookies, though. Also, also, I bet he shotguns the milk carton. <laughs> He's a he's a rude boy who's drinks straight from the milk carton and he drinks it from the bottom. <laughs> he's a bad boy. Bad boy. Quit doing that. Get out the spray bottle. <laughs> Quit doing that. And and then goes on to describe how he's so terrified of Dio because he's so fucking hot. We don't stand yes. a chance. Yeah, he's got like near translucent alabaster skin. Like you don't see Dio's face too much. He's still in shadow. For the most part, but uh, there's lots of shots of just Dio's lips and him licking his lips, going like, "Damn, damn, Avdol, you got a cool power, I hear. Want to work for me?" And Avdol's like, "But his hair is so silky, and his voice uh, ma- makes me makes my heart skip a beat. We're fucked, guys. He's too fucking hot. Oh my god." Yeah. Yeah, and it's like uh, you see Dio's hair turn into weird tentacles to like inject the the flesh butt into Avdol. Avdol's reaction to this super hot guy is to scream and jump out a window and run away. That's the only way I, he could get away, like deal with this super fucking hot guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's to yell and jump out a window. He surely would have fell to, to Dio if uh, uh, he weren't warned in advance by Mr. Joestar. <laughs> I wonder how uh, Joseph phrased that. Was it just like, hey, you're gonna, there was a vampire about and he might try to find you. Or, hey, there's a really fucking hot guy. Don't <laughs> fall for his tricks. <laughs> He he fucking peels an apple and feeds like each individual little chunk to her. It's 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 shocking that Joe that Joseph doesn't fucking like masticate the apple and just you know fucking puke it into her mouth like a mama bird. Like that's the only thing he doesn't do. Uh, he he is a daddy in at least two ways. Good good job, Joseph. <laughs> You know, they ask him, like, why do you want this? And Kakyoin doesn't really have much more of an answer. It's like, I don't know. You helped me. Thanks. It's because your mom's hot, I think. (laughs) Yes. Actually, he gets a little weird. Yeah. He gets weird in this scene. And he even prefaces what he's about to say with, I'm sorry if this is kind of awkward, but if I were ever to date and marry a woman, damn, I wish it was a lady like Holly. (laughs) (laughs) She's so kind. I love her. I want to save your hot mom's life. Uh. Yeah. I mean, you know what? If there's any motivation for killing a vampire, I want to save your hot mom. That works for me. <laughs> the bug is frothing at the mouth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's a rabid bug. Apparently, that's just what stands do between the nurse and now this bug. Oh, yeah. All stands have rabies. That's what I'm learning. Yeah. We have to put Star Platinum down. It's for some good. Oh, no. <laughs> Jojo, you do it. He's your ghost. <laughs> At this point, as as Avdol and Polnareff just keep uh, uh, bragging to each other and trying to impress one another, like, just kiss al- already. Just kiss. You want <laughs> yeah. to kiss. Just kiss. Yeah, they're they're getting really into just trying to impress each other here. 
but you know Jotaro's being the rude mean boy he is and goes like no I don't want to do this fuck off this time it's Polnareff's turn to to take the the cast offs it's like hey ladies I'll take a picture of you like th- this is a fun running gag but immediately showing off a uh, Polnareff's leg fetish is <laughs> kind of a weird swerve to take the punchline <laughs> Yeah, Polnareff is the horniest of the gang in Stardust Crusaders. (laughs) He doesn't just say, oh, you have lovely legs. I'll be sure to take fit them in the frame, which is like, eh, already. But we see the viewfinder of the camera. He's just zoomed in on their legs. (laughs) And it's like, dude, you're not getting the pictures. (laughs) These aren't coming out like, you know, this isn't a, a... you know, you're not getting the Polaroids spitting out of this camera. They have to get the film developed later. They're not going to mail you the pictures of their legs to you. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be on a boat in like 10 minutes, dude. But yeah, the instant they pull this girl up, she goes, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but do you want to fight? And then she pulls out a switchblade. <laughs> and she's constantly tossing the switchblade from one hand to the other. And she's like, I'm going to stab the shit out of you guys. And, and these all five wondering. dudes, these five dudes on a quest to kill an immortal super vampire are like, I don't know how to handle this. I've, this kid could take us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this and is it's fucking like, weird, dudes. And, and they're, they're wondering, like, could this kid be a stand user? You know, we can't rule out, the, rule out the possibility. She's like the big, you know, she's sticking out like a sore thumb out of everybody else in this boat. But after a certain point, she keeps tossing the knife back and forth. And, and Abdul's like, you know, just straight up asks her, like, how's Dio doing? And she doesn't know what the <laughs> fuck they're talking about. Master she just keeps... of subtlety. Like, he introduces us like, guys, guys, it's okay. I've got a plan. Yeah. How's Dio doing these days? <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. She calls them punks and just keeps going like, I'm going to stab you. Who wants to go first? I'm going to fucking stab you. I will stab you. And and she calls Kakuin a jerk hole? Yes, yeah, she does. Uh she calls her knife the demon blade that yes. thirsts for blood. It will uh, not rest until it, it drinks of blood of her enemies. Yeah, and she says it's looking for its three hundred and fortieth victim. Uh <laughs> And so then the instant she says that, everyone goes, Oh, this girl's just a rascal. She's not a stand user. <laughs> And they immediately go like, I like this girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's cool. All right. But and but during tough. this, the, the ape is uh, gloating, bragging, do, mm, doing the, right. the evil stand user monologue as his tradition in grunts. He's just grunting a lot. <laughs> but the narrator, luckily, can speak ape-ish. <laughs> I forgot about that. And is translating to the benef- for the benefit of us, the audience. <laughs> Jojo has no idea. I mean, I'm sure he can guess. He's a reasonably bright young boy. Yeah. This is this episode's so dumb. Th- this episode is great and awful in equal measure. Like this. Yeah. Whenever I think about early Stardust Crusaders, I always remember this episode and go like, ugh, it's the one where they they do the weird stuff with the little girl. But then I think, oh, but it's the episode with the orangutan who's smart. <laughs> Oh, but it does that gross stuff with the girl, but oh, the orangutan! <laughs> Every time I think about this episode, man. <laughs> but he finds that creepy doll from the previous episode, Stinger, and he yep. knows there is an enemy stand user present. Yeah, he immediately just says, okay, you can come on out. And then his mini fridge opens and a gigantic man somehow <laughs> crawls out of the mini fridge. Maxi man mini fridge. How does it work? <laughs> we will never know. He's so big and the fridge is so small. And his name is Soul Sacrifice. That is a hell of a name. Yeah. And then Abdal says, right now, it's dangerous to leave Polnareff alone. And then Joseph's just like, hmm. Sit my coffee. (laughs) He better get up here soon then. Yeah. (laughs) He's he's not my grandson or even my grandson's friend. Mm -mm. We just met this guy. Yeah. You ever noticed that ever since we met Polnareff, boats keep sinking? What's up with that? <laughs> Maybe we're better off without him. Maybe he just keeps accidentally poking holes in everything with, with Silver Chariot. <laughs> Who knows? So so then he gets arrested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. I'm not too impressed with Singapore cops because apparently they think this stuffed doll was a real kid <laughs> that he killed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when they when they said what about that boy we found in there i thought they were talking about the wait staff that got murdered okay maybe maybe Even though he but wasn't that very is a clearly boy. A, that's an adult man that's a man but like <laughs> the, 
That's a puppet. There's <laughs> stuffing coming out of that thing. That is, they need a little boy. What kind of sick fuck killed a child, skinned him, stuffed him with cotton batting, <laughs> and then killed him again? This dude's a monster. Yet did nothing to his balls. What the? Hey. But, uh-oh, the, her, her legs, uh-oh, her legs are... Like, not fully formed right now. They're turning into the, the Yellow Temperance goop again. But the leg, the goop is all over the dog. Uh-huh. That, <laughs> it's all over the dog. The dog named Pocky. And the little they, kid's dad they had suddenly... had to name the dog? They named the dog immediately, named Pocky. <laughs> and the, the kid's dad is awake. He's like, uh-oh, what's this? What's this goop all over my dog? Hey, dog, get out of there. And he yanks on the, the leash to uh-huh. get the dog out of there. But the dog is stuck in the goop. And so he just tears his dog's head off. <laughs> uh- Let's pour one out for Pocky. <laughs> Dissolved by a stand in the shape of a rude lady who was squeezing her own chest a second ago. <laughs> yep. So they do, of course, wind up at a restaurant, yeah. and as soon as they're seated around the, the the table at the restaurant, they're all much happier to be there. I forgot how much Stardust Crusaders throughout, like, whenever they get to a new location, they always immediately have to eat, and there's always a scene of them eating and just talking about the, the local food. In fact, the restaurant they're in, at least from the initial shots, looks almost the same as the restaurant they were in several episodes ago when they first met Polnareff. <laughs> Yeah. You know? Maybe it's a chain. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. The the way that this is sort of a travelogue reminds me of uh, uh, what the James Bond series was like in the the 60s and 70s. They were Mm. essentially travelogue films that happened to have spy action in them. Yeah. But you'd really watch them to see, like, here's some of the the cool shit you can look at in Monaco or Las Vegas or the Alps, Mm. right? I think Stardust Crusaders is basically that, but for normal people. Because <laughs> they're not going to high roller clubs. They're no. just going to like restaurants that have uh, two or three dollar signs next to their name in the guidebook. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it seems like uh, Joseph is, you know, pretty wealthy, pretty loaded. At the same time, it feels like they're trying to stretch their, their trip budget, like, mm-hmm. maybe not thin, but they're trying to be economical about their choices here. They, they don't want to be attacked by some sort of stand user that lives in the banking system. <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> oh, man, it would be a stand that uh, attacks via pneumatic tubes. <laughs> yeah. The decimal point tarot card. Oh, uh. And, you know, just leaves Polnareff with, with the pole. With the pole and the, the mental image of the, the owner getting a pork-flavored rim job. Oh, man. God. <laughs> Polnareff looks back at the toilet, and now there's just, like, an evil void. Okay, I promise. Pork-flavored rim job is not the episode <laughs> title. I promise. Yay. I don't think iTunes would be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> So so back to the action, and all I can wonder is how hard is it for artists to draw backwards hands? Oh my god, yeah, I was thinking that too. Like, it looks good, but it seems difficult. Years and years of practice in order to do good-looking hands the normal way, and then, like, here's a fucking curveball for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> draw this 12 times a second, see how you like it. Oh no. Yeah, just slash on slash on, on our two big burly boyos. And... <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's like the- a, a fucking SeaWorld show, the amount of blood that these people are going to get covered in. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it is really funny just because you're so focused on the protagonists, like getting hit, assaulted from every angle by knife slashes and them erupting in blood everywhere that some, it is hard to think the first time you're watching it, like, wait a minute, these people are just seeing guys randomly explode into blood clouds and they're still just like, ooh, money! <laughs> ooh! <laughs> Who's got the money? <laughs> Is it in there? No, that's my larynx. It's no. So as they walk away, the camera again focuses on Joseph's arm, but there's not a drop of blood there. There's a weird little mole or like a pimple mm-hmm. going on and it opens up into a mouth. And it makes a little noise. It makes a little noise? It makes a little baby. I love like... You know, every once in a while, there's a cliffhanger in a JoJo episode where you're like, what the fuck? Like, you know, back in part two where Joseph turns around and there's just a brain on his back, hitching a ride. Yeah. 
this one is also one of those where like because as the camera slowly zooms in it's pulling out uh the song it uses in part three every once in a while that's like uh it's it's really mysterious sounding and it like slowly mm-hmm. escalates into like a oh shit what's happening type thing and yeah it's just this slow zoom in this little little, little pimple or whatever growing a mouth and it goes like bunyun <laughs> like this little baby noise <laughs> And that's the fucking cliffhanger to be continued. There's a little mouth on Joseph's arm now. Uh, and the cops get immediately called. Well, the, the cops get immediately called because the, the the Empress, in a truly impeccable vocal match for <laughs> Joseph Joestar, yeah. just... <laughs> what what a chameleon. Uh, uh, <laughs> the the, the stand pipes up and says, I'm Joseph Joestar! I'm an American! I killed this man! Because I hate doctors, but I like you, baby. Come on, Toots, let's go. Here's my address. <laughs> Bet the cops will never come looking for me, the murderer, Joseph Joestar. <laughs> yeah. This is showing, like, the fear of, of age and sickness slowing him down. M- made all the more clear by the fact that this started as a mole that suddenly grew and changed shape that he needed to get checked out. Like, there, yeah. there is... Empress is referred to as a tumor many times. Like, it's very clear what's going on here. Mm-hmm. But the the metaphor that is instead coming out in the dialogue is, yeah, the, the whole parent thing. Uh, uh, instead being portrayed not by the body you have, but by your issue, your own flesh and blood coming against you. Mm-hmm. And, like, there is, again, the potential of body horror in the horror of childbearing of a part of you becoming its own entity that can then betray you and harm you mm-hmm. uh, uh stab you in the back also the empress likes to go what now <laughs> like, <laughs> like she's ken she vomits all over him it splashes across the alley and then her body splits open to reveal a slug-like woman inside her <laughs> Yes, a much larger woman than Nana, Nana was somehow inside of her. This was actually just a disguise of the Empress. And the thing is, Polnareff has had worst first dates. Like, th- this isn't so bad. <laughs> but on the other hand, she's not really 16, so hey, oh, come phew. on. Smooch the lady, no objections, go for it. Yep, everyone's trying to cancel me, but... uh. <laughs> hey everybody, my defense of there, there is a much older woman disguised as a 60-year-old woman is passing the, the test. Look, I, I'm not taking advantage of an innocent 16-year-old. I'm being manipulated by a murder woman. <laughs> there you go. It's much better. I'm innocent, Your Honor. <laughs> Jotaro sucks at catchphrases. Yeah, that's my does. favorite they thing about do. him they all do no no but he's the worst at it in Dark Blue Moon he had to ask Abdul for help <laughs> that is right. my favorite scene in that fight is when after he punches um, Captain Dragon into the ocean he turns to Abdul and says Abdul say something for me and then Abdul <laughs> has to give the line about ah you're too young to, li- to out predict a fortune teller thing um, <laughs> God, there is he can't think of one he said the thing about wetting yourself. That's something. <laughs> yeah, his one-liners when he does come up with them suck ass. They're the worst. <laughs> He's so bad at them. Yeah, I mean, it's like, even when you see what Jotaro was, like, getting brought to him in his jail cell, it's a bunch of nerd shit. He's reading Shonen Jump and driving <laughs> little RC cars. Yeah, he gets the a boombox no- and a beer. <laughs> yeah. that Those are the cool things he gets. It's just like the late 80s, 90s Tude version was supposed to be cool. Like, it is just... The only thing he's missing is a skateboard. <laughs> and that, that's just because there isn't room. Yeah. <laughs> Where would he skateboard in that, like, six-foot-by-six-foot cell? Oh, he'll, he'll just uh, have Star Platinum knock down a wall. He's going to get a double wide. If uh, Stardust Crusaders took place, like, 10 or 15 years later, instead of a skateboard, he would just have those little tech deck things. He'd just be doing tricks yes, on, a, absolutely. on a table. He'd have a collection <laughs> of pogs going. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, JoJo would definitely get the Scarface poster and not watch Scarface. God, he would. <laughs> Speedwagon lawyers are real good. If they don't all have a murder on their rap sheet by the end of this, that's a missed opportunity. Uh, to be fair, I think the only reason Jotaro doesn't is because he manages to murder people so brutally no one finds the body. <laughs> yeah. Um... Like, Yellow Temperance just gets left in the ocean. Right. As does Dark Blue Moon, as does Strength. He just keeps giving people burials at sea. 
these little moments, the, these little cutaways. Why couldn't we have an image of that funeral that uh, mm. uh, that, that our JoJo's mentioned? Like, why why can't we have? Please, just a little moment of tribute for for the nice kind man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do wish that was added too, especially because they have already added you know multiple little things, and they continue to do so throughout the whole thing. I would rather have that than just another bit of whatever Enya's mad about today. Like, if you're going <laughs> to add something... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was uh, really unhappy. I didn't remember that scene where she just clubbed a cat over the head for no reason. Like, <laughs> didn't... That well, that wasn't great to end yeah. on. <laughs> At least the cat kind of shrugs it off and just runs off. Cause, yeah, like, that, that I, blow I feel... looked like it would have killed it. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I feel like if that same scene happened, but it was a dog, that dog would have just fucking exploded. <laughs> oh yeah, how about the dead dog in this part? <laughs> oh, that's a God. hell of a dog. That's <laughs> a hell of a dead dog. Can you imagine what Jotaro was thinking when his grandpa suddenly showed up one day, busted him out of jail to show him naked pictures of his great-great-grandpa? <laughs> As much as the devil's plan fucking sucks ass that he has to get stabbed in order for his stand to do good things, uh, it's a cool fight. It's not his fault. No, he just yeah, needs it... a better way of forming grudges. Yeah. <laughs> He's just got to get, like, really, I don't know, really high strung, he I guess. Needs, he needs to wear protective gear or something. At least protect your eyeballs. Like, if you're going to get hurt real bad, protect your eyes, maybe your tongue, too, because, like... Maybe have your stand powered by a road rage instead of physical pain. Yeah. <laughs> like, get it, get it, power up your stand with playing MMOs. <laughs> League of Legends is really good for getting people mad, I've heard. Yeah, what if you just get owned while playing Tekken or something? <laughs> you know? There was already a couple fighting games out by the point <laughs> yeah. started. Don Corleone hires Soul Sacrifice to go enter a Dota tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to take out the competition. <laughs> this episode that, that we're recording right now will be heard by people on June the 21st, mm. which is the day before a holiday I am trying to, to <laughs> uh, get people to recognize this year, Fast Tuesday. Tomorrow, Tuesday the 22nd of June, is the 20th anniversary of the Fast and the Furious hitting theaters. Ooh. So I want to encourage everybody to celebrate in whatever way feels good to them. Maybe you steal from some sort of a drug lord kingpin. Uh, maybe you just drive a little recklessly. Maybe you get expelled from the LAPD and then hired as an undercover FBI agent. Or you just make some particularly terrible tuna sandwiches. Whatever the Fast and the Furious means to you, I just want you to indulge that tomorrow and uh, enjoy the 20th anniversary. <laughs> Yeah, out of, I, I want to say out of the entire run of Stardust Crusaders, this episode is the one I forget exists the most. <laughs> and while he's thinking that, the camera's panning around different people. Uh, it pans to that dog that mm -hmm. Jojo saw earlier, except now it's not on the pike. It's alive. It's got a hilariously strange face. I've never seen this breed of dog before. <laughs> it is a fucking weird looking dog. <laughs> <laughs> this is the weirdest dog of all. Of, of it has the it has the longest face, <laughs> but it's also the widest face. It is just a big oval with the tiniest eyes up on like its forehead almost. It is a, an incredibly strange dog. Dead guy with the lizards comes right up to the keyhole and uses his sharpened attack tongue to pierce <laughs> through the keyhole and through Pulnareff's tongue. Ugh. And this this is the wound that Enya's been waiting for to turn into a puppetable hole. And so, yes, Polnareff, the Frenchman, his death came at uh, uh, some tongue-on-tongue -tongue, uh, action. <laughs> oh, the irony. <laughs> Love that whole horse. <laughs> I guess Enyaba isn't just the character to do this, but you think uh, a different stand user with uh, the Justice stand may have made hole-related puns with whole horse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it didn't happen. She was too busy uh, in the, the anger stage of grief to, to reach mm. the pun stage of grief. The, <laughs> yeah. The much less known sixth stage. Yeah. After bargaining comes puns. <laughs> this episode is surprisingly narrator-heavy because he has yeah. to, uh, well, narrate 
the blow-by-blow of the most strategically intricate fight scene we've had, (laughs) I think, in all of JoJo's. Yeah. Which is haggling over the price of five Donner kebabs. Yeah. God. This is in the manga, too, if I remember correctly. This isn't like an anime-only thing to stretch the episode out. There is like a, I should hope so. There's like a three-page spread of, yeah, jo- Joseph just talking to this dude, haggling down the price. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Uh, I do like the, the implication that Dio's evil plans are funded by kebab stands across the globe. <laughs> well, if the price they're selling them, yeah, it's... <laughs> fund a lot of vampire activities with that money. This is how we take him down. We, we attack his finances, one <laughs> kebab stand at a time. Dio Brando, you're under investigation for tax fraud. <laughs> Yen is not legal tender here. What are you doing? That's the first sign this is money laundering. <laughs> you know, and he like opens up his shirt a bit, like, you know, pulls on the his lapels because he's got like a really deep V cut. Uh, and he's just like, you can punch me right here. Just, just punch a hole clean through my chest. Why don't you? Here's a big rock. You want to hit me with it? He's like the opposite of Rubber Soul. I bet you do want to punch <laughs> yeah. a little guy. You love to punch the birthday boy. <laughs> you can't get enough of punching a little guy. <laughs> this dude is a party. I want to bring a DJ to Joseph's brain. Let's get fucked up. Come on. It's the end of the world. Let's live a little. There's got to be a DJ stand, right? Right? There's going to be one at some point. If there isn't one by part eight, at this point, I'll be shocked. <laughs> this is my stand marshmallow. <laughs> Th- thinking more on my point about the heroification, I don't mean to say that like uh, his character is inconsistent or changing without cause. I think there's a very yeah. clear cause. And I think it yeah. goes back to what I've been calling his mission statement in the Kakuin fight. Practically, in other words, with great power comes great responsibility, right? It, it, he is... <laughs> yeah meeting out justice to those who do not have the, the strength to defend himself themselves mm-hmm. and now he has such incredibly such an incredible amount of strength through star platinum and also his crew this jewelry store is now the little guy that he can't pick on anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah this is the reveal the, the the tentacle stand users just love to to take children as hostage they really do they can't get they really enough of do. it it's like Dio tells them like that. That's a thing they got to do to get hired. <laughs> it's a qualification. It worked pretty well for me. <laughs> yeah, on their job application, would you take a child hostage? Check yes, check no. <laughs> Immediate disqualification if you say no. I've been looking through everyone's HR records, Lord Dio, and I've come <laughs> up with a worrying thought. <laughs> we might have hired a bunch of child murderers. Not like my wonderful, noble son, the perfect boy. (laughs) So your application says that you are already a child murderer. How can you bring that expertise to this job? I thought I might murder some children, actually. Oh, perfect. You see, the good boys love children. So that'll be great. And so ends the the most involved haggling procedure I've ever seen. I hope the kebabs are worth it in the end. That seemed like a lot of effort. They they got dropped on the ground, but they were in a bag, so they're still good. Did they go back to get them? (laughs) I hope they went back to get the kebabs, unless the kebabs also had, like, flesh buds in them or something. (laughs) Maybe that's what was roasting. It was just a giant flesh bud. That was Dio meat. Oh, gross. Though it's the most it's the most charismatic meat you'll ever buy, so it probably convinces you that it's That's true. It. I, I mean know. it sells itself. Yeah. <laughs> uh Joseph walks up behind him, he's got that manila folder from the car purchase, and he just bops Polnareff's hair with it and it fucks it up. It just goes all over the place. And watching Polnareff put his hair back together raises more questions than it answers. <laughs> Yeah, it just slowly forms back into its original shape, and while it's happening, you hear like the like a rewind sound effect, <laughs> like his hair is traveling back in time into its proper shape. You ever watch a duck like put its feathers back in af- after like they they got out of uh, shape for whatever reason? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Very strange. Very strange. I wonder if Polnareff's hair, if, if water just rolls off it like that. <laughs> well, you, we know you can embed car keys in it with no trouble whatsoever. Mm. Man, you could probably, like, carry a lot of stuff in there, honestly. He's not carrying his bag anymore. That stuff's got to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 
I just wish you could just hear his hair just rustling all the time, like stuff jingling and shaking around in there. But yes, you can tell it is Abu Dhabi because there is a yeah. little gray cat in the background climbing out of a UPS box. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Ugh. There's a lot of fan art, for some reason, of Garfield characters as JoJo characters, <laughs> by the way. There's... There's there's been quite see, a few I can see Garfield as Jotaro. There is quite a few John Arbuckles as Jojos <laughs> in in, the, in that style with Garfield as his stand. Yeah. It's I don't know why that property crosses over with Jojo so much in people's minds for fan art, but it it's happened pretty frequently, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> One fancy car for four camels, please. The way Joseph explains this trade is basically a new economic theory that posits <laughs> exchange value is simply a subset of use value when you're describing commodities. This revolutionary thought has destroyed Karl Marx from beyond the grave. <laughs> Damn it. Who was probably a stand user. But <laughs> yeah, probably. He's trying to see how far away the sun actually is. So Hierophant <laughs> Green is just hurling towards the gigantic sun. I love I love that this has made Kakuin sound like a five-year-old. Yeah. I'm curious about the sun. I'm going to look at it. What I want to know about the sun is, how far away is that sun? <laughs> I'm just going to jump at it. Can I touch it? I'm going to get a ladder. So when Kakuin and Polnareff walk outside, they hear a little kid crying, and uh, they look over to where that kid is, and he's crying over his dead dog, and it's the dog from the dream. Kakuin says to himself, I could have sworn that I saw a dead dog not too long ago. Oh, yeah, you think? <laughs> you want me to count them for you, Kakuin? You see one about every other day, dude. <laughs> you gotta be more specific. What, at least differentiate color of dog? We've had different colored dogs, so at least. That red line on the map, that's not following your journey. It's just connecting all the dead dogs of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the, the whole, the whole two-parter just falls into place at this moment. As you know, oh, God, they're going to have to punch a baby. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to have to fight a baby. One of these men, one of these heroic good boys is going to <laughs> murder a baby. <laughs> <laughs> for the cause of righteousness they have to save Jotaro's mom gotta kill a baby <laughs> what if a baby had a gun was gonna shoot you with the gun you gotta punch the baby you, you gotta fight to. back you gotta attack the baby <laughs> Jotaro has to help Polnareff change the diaper cause it's just he is shocked to see poop in there Polnareff yeah. has, has no idea to... Like, there's comic relief kind of goofy dumb guy, and then there's not knowing that babies poop in diapers. Like, <laughs> where the fuck have you been living? <laughs> Polnareff doesn't shit. <laughs> he, this is the first poop he's ever seen. Yeah, it's and it's not because he doesn't know about poop. It's just that his entire life, he's been having toilet uh, <laughs> problems, so he's never been able to poop his whole life. There's always a pig in it or, you know, something else. He's still waiting to figure out what pooping is. That's why he's so huge. He's about to explode. <laughs> he's going to pop. Those ain't muscles. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking gross. When there's a baby stand, you can't help but wonder who has been using this language in front of this baby. <laughs> yeah. This baby is quite rude. Yeah. When did Dio meet this baby? <laughs> Is Dio going to give the baby money? What What is Dio yeah. offering this baby? A lot of baby formula. How did the baby become so loyal to an evil vampire so fast? <laughs> the baby isn't a vampire, but it looks like one. It's got the fangs. Is Dio just so good at peekaboo that the, the baby is enamored <laughs> and, and just fiendishly loyal now? Oh, man. Dio would be good at peekaboo. <laughs> uh... But he has this weird sense that something's wrong with his baby. Uh, I also believe there's something wrong with this baby. Baby head too big. Baby legs too small. Baby's head huge. <laughs> baby head huge. I I had checked a mommy blog for the the <laughs> 11 month old uh, uh, milestones. This yeah. baby's real fucked up. They're supposed to be like <laughs> scooting around. Like some babies are even walking or like walking along, holding themselves up along furniture at least. Yeah. 
But my favorite milestone I saw was that uh, 11 months is the perfect age to start teaching a baby that there is a difference between right and wrong. Oh, shit. This baby, this baby failed. needs those lessons so yeah, bad. This baby was never taught, I think. <laughs> that was the time. <laughs> and I like that Polnareff is watching Joseph play peekaboo with, with the evil baby. And Polnareff's just stone-faced watching Joseph do this. Just says, what's so funny about that? It's not even a joke. <laughs> <laughs> with this baby we gotta save this baby who at the moment seems perfectly fine is having fun playing peekaboo yeah I, I guess it doesn't have a 102 degree fever anymore yeah the the plane crash t- uh, took it out of him your doctor will never prescribe a plane crash and maybe you should ask <laughs> them why that is what are they trying to hide huh huh hmm. one cool trick doctors don't want you to know <laughs> crashing a plane early mid 80s or something that was Felix the cat not me no this wasn't like a Fritz the Fritz the cat Fritz the cat maybe it's that there's a lot of fucking cartoon cats there's a lot of cartoon cats I think it might be Fritz was this one French yeah it was the one where it's like they all the cats were in in college and it was like super fucking adult oriented it was just like the cats in college and they're fucking all the time that is Fritz the Cat, and it is American. That's, it's American? That's an early Bakshi, baby. Okay, I don't know why I thought that was French. But yeah, maybe Polnareff is doing Fritz the Cat. Who knows? As the pig becomes exhausted, a very stoned Fritz jumps out, grabs the pig's gun, and shoots the toilet, causing the water main <laughs> to break and flooding everybody out of the apartment. The pigs chase Fritz down the street into a synagogue. Fritz manages to escape, and the congregation gets up to celebrate the United States' decision to send more weapons into Israel. <laughs> This movie came out in 1972 and made $90 million. Whoa. Well, anyways, that's been in the back of my brain for years, just waiting for a reason to get brought up in a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And also footprints leading away from it. And he can tell that's a lady's footprint. Mm -hmm. And I believe Polnareff can tell a lady's footprint. They're attached to the legs, you see. Yeah, he... (laughs) Dude know, knows everything about the legs and uh, leg adjacent areas, I guess. <laughs> he even knows things all the way up to the waist. Wow. He's that intellect. Damn. Can you truly know the legs if you don't know about their neighbors? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember that Robert Frost poem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which begins with Cameo gloating, quote, I'm sure it's quite the traumatic experience being eaten alive by your own sister. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah. But guess what? That's really him. He summons Magician's Red. He's It's yeah. actual living Avdol, and he got much sassier in death. Oh, man. Yeah, Avdol He has a is... signature taunt now. Yeah, Avdol's been workshopping a lot of shit since we last saw, saw him. He's got, like, some Sonic the Hedgehog attitude. Yes, yes. He puts up, like, the one finger, and he goes, like, tsk, 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 like, waves it, and... Oh, man. It really feels like Avdol's just been... This is why he was gone. So he could just work <laughs> on a cool little little signature taunt here. And eventually, like, the cameo underground can't take it anymore, and he bursts out from the dirt, and you can see him gurgling a whole lot of piss in his mouth. I should think so. They peed so much, it made a rainbow appear. Yeah. At night! (laughs) That's a lot! Why, then, did you pretend like he was his dad? Just to be mean? Just to play an awful trick on this friend that you care about so much? And, like, I can understand. I can understand Joseph and Jotaro uh, uh, keeping this as as a secret from their enemies while uh, Avdol, you know, recuperates. I Mm -hmm. do not believe for a second, for a motherfucking second, that Kakyuin would go in on this, especially because of how close he became to Polnareff on that very day. They like, yeah. fuck you. This sucks. I think less of all of you. Fuck you. Yeah, I don't like this bit. Like I Aren't you about like, as close to your destination as you can get by sea? Yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> Let's need can I can we see the map again, show? I need to see the map. You're in the middle of the Red Sea. You're going to Egypt. Yeah. You can throw a rock at Egypt. At this point, it just feels like they just wanted a submarine because that'd be cool, and they got the speed wagon money to spend. 
Let, let me read you the, the uh, manga slash anime differences lifts did mm. on, on the, the uh, wiki. Uh, for part one, the anime added several flashback scenes from Polnareff's past that were not present in the manga. Mm, right. For part two, a dialogue of the fake Avdol blaming Polnareff for what happened and showing the hole in his forehead made by Emperor's Bullet is added. Mm. A scene between the fake Sherry and Polnareff is added. Originally, Judgment throws her and Avdol incinerates the body with Magician's Red. Wow, damn. Everything that's great about this story is anime original. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's been so long since I read part three that I, I forgot about that those were anime original. The the differences are usually just like, you know, 30 seconds here and there to, to meet, you know, the, the time or mm. uh, uh, just streamlining something or, or adding a little extra clarity. But like the entire emotional through line and weight yeah. that makes this fight worth watching is anime original. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. This is a this is a submarine for pleasure. This ain't at any point they're going to turn to the camera and tell me about exciting new financing options with no money down <laughs> yeah. on this submarine. They 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 really talk the sub up a lot. And she can hear the alarm klaxons going on in the background. <laughs> she can hear water rushing in and she's like, "What the where the fuck are you? That's a rowdy hotel you're in." <laughs> Cuz this is of course a, a business trip for some sort of real estate deal, obviously. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Jotaro finally talks after, you know, several seconds of silence here and just says, hey, the old man can't g come to the phone right now. And then he says, quote, he's going to be just fine because I'm right <laughs> here with him. And oh, my heart. Oh, my heart. Yeah. <laughs> just take this clip. S send it like back in time to me for, for like first Stardust <laughs> Crusaders episode. Yeah. OK, it's going to be OK. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, it's a it's a uh. real slow burn with him, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Maybe the high priestess is what happens if the honeycomb mascot uh, drinks a Capri Sun and gets those oh, uh, no. uh, liquid metal shape-shifting powers. Yeah, it gets the Alex Mack powers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that huge-ass penthouse, though, and tell me that Joseph didn't just buy the mayoralty race for Smokey. <laughs> He's not even from New York. You think people are going to vote for him? Mm, yeah. Not without a massive advertising budget, they're not. Guy, did Smokey do like the the fucking like Andrew Yang thing of like, mm, sure, dude, love a New York slice, and he's eating like a sandwich or something instead, like just completely <laughs> clueless. I love to shop at the Bodega. <laughs> the Bodega. God damn. Although Polnareff and Kakuin have at some point created an entire sign language between the two of them. Yes, that yeah. has a, enough like complex syntax and vocabulary for Polnareff to do a few hand signs and Kakuin to, to know that means he can see your underwear. Yeah, there's a specific verb tense attached to that. And the instant Kakuin, like, Kakuin just, like, slides. He's behind Polnareff, completely obscured. And once he knows what he says, he just kind of tweens. <laughs> pokes mm -hmm. out from behind Polnareff's shoulder, goes like, ah, that means your underwear is showing. And then the instant he says that, they do a secret bro handshake that we've never seen before. <laughs> Very long, complex, multiple different arm bumps, elbow bumps, like... <laughs> two things, it's... two things about this. First, if, if David Production can add all these, like, phone calls and other insert bits... I, I can remake a Stardust Crusaders adaptation that includes mm. the entire development of this sign language. Yeah, I it's want going that. to be three times as long. Uh, <laughs> uh, there will be far fewer stand uh, stands per hour. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they 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 should have developed this on the really long, boring train ride. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. where that should happen. And second, the the handshake ends with the same like fist and elbow vertical slam that uh, uh, characters do in Hamlet and Rock. Oh, shit. <laughs> yes! <laughs> it is. Wow. Haven't yeah. thought about that in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I still have that soundtrack. Let, let's talk about Rose the stand user, because I don't think we're going to get a chance to uh, yeah. uh, later. Uh, Rose is the localized name for Midler, as in Bette Midler. Yep. They say it comes from Bette Midler's song, The Rose, which is one of those like 
enduring, easy listening classics that I don't think anyone would recognize from the title, but you've mm. probably heard it. Okay, yeah. I say bullshit. I think she was named for Bette Midler's uh, uh, performance as Mama Rose in the 1993 uh, uh, TV movie production of Gypsy, for uh. which she won a Golden Globe. <laughs> That makes a little more sense to me. <laughs> Seems a little more relevant. There's a tarp dog, a speed wagon dog. What's this dog about? This is how they end the season. There's a dog. Like, in a okay, okay, I know. It's not, it was one continuous thing that you split in half lengthwise, which isn't necessarily uh, an intended breaking point story wise. I get it, I get it. But you're telling me. You're mm-hmm. telling me that the addition of this dog is as momentous as fishing Dio's super coffin <laughs> out of the ocean? <laughs> Maybe These not are as on important. par for you? <laughs> Maybe not as important, but that dog is important. That must be a hell of a dog. Yeah. I hear like like the scuttlebutt on the ground, the the like the the, the standard take is that now they're in Egypt, this is when JoJo's really begins. <laughs> I suppose so. Fine. Okay, we got to talk about poop. There's a lot of poop. We have to talk about all the poop. There's so there's much lo- poop. <laughs> there's a lot of poop. Not just in these episodes, in JoJo. Just like there's so much poop in JoJo. There wasn't in the first two parts. The poop is new. Yeah, this I is wanna, the introduction I, of all the poop. I want to say that every part of JoJo has a couple things that just keep happening for some reason. For, and I don't know why, because they're never like big plot beats. It's just, but like in part three, there is just a lot of poop, and none of the other parts have poop in them. I'm pretty sure it's just part three. <laughs> part three is like the gross, the gross like bodily function one, where there's just lots. Mm-hmm. In uh, uh, judgment, they just straight up make a dude gargle their piss. Like, yeah! yes, <laughs> that is not the fr- that is not the only time in JoJo in which. Uh... People drink piss, by the way. You're going to yes. run into yeah. that a few times as the series moves on. Um, I mean, it happens on Sesame Street. Everybody's gargling <laughs> piss these days. Like, there are moments in later se- in later uh, series, not to spoil stuff, where, like, the camera just straight up focuses on, like, a pile of shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just like, hey, check out this shit. <laughs> Remember this. What I think about the poop, what I think the poop does is it, it, it ties into something called the theory of embodied existence, if, if you're familiar. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> Basically, the, the way that uh, uh, perception is a function of the body, reality is rooted in the body. Like, we experience our world, everything is mediated by the body. Like, when I say here, I mean where my body is. And that is always true. There's nothing else here can mean. Everything else is based in its relation to my body in my experience, right? Yeah. The the first two parts are also very, very grounded in putting action in the body. Like when, when uh, Joseph has the rings of death, he doesn't cry out, oh, the rings. It's, oh, my heart and throat. You know, the, the, yeah. all these little details and like the viscera and the gore. But then when you move toward fights that are happening outside the body, when, when uh, we introduce stands which are in themselves a non-embodied existence, I don't think Iraqi wants to go there. I don't think Iraqi wants to get transhumanist. So he, he has to root it even harder. Mm. So that's why there's always poop. There's all, <laughs> they're always eating. All of these things that tie into, uh, uh, it's not about the ghosts, it's about the body. Mm. Huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The worst one is the inkle. I was going to say the inkle. God, I, I'm so, I was so angry when I saw those recolors, because the original is so psychedelic. It's, uh, I'm going to talk about the inkle forever, so let's, <laughs> let's not get into it. Yeah, if, we, uh, <laughs> if we ever run out of Iraqi stuff, we, we could do, yeah, yeah, mm. actually. You could talk about Jodorowsky. Yeah, so much. fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is is Jodorowsky uh Europe's Iraqi? Is Jodorowsky? Whoa. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Jodorowsky's bizarre adventure. <laughs> That's just him waking up in the morning. Just reading it and being like, why is everybody get their dick cut off? <laughs> 
all dicks must die. Also, a lot of poop. A lot of <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. He turns Jesus' shit into gold in Holy Mountain. And tarot! Uh, you could tell Dio just... He recognizes that Jonathan was an amazing hunk of man meat. You know? Just like... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. He is so excited to have that body. He strokes it? Yeah. <laughs> he loves it. Yeah, and do you know what? Have you seen those muscles? I would too. <laughs> yeah, I totally get it, Dio. The second episode, the rugby, the rugby match, <laughs> the rugby shows that they have essentially the same body. But he never looked at the one he was born with in the mirror like that. Like, mmm, mmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean... Jonathan was just, like, a pound beefier. (laughs) And that's why he won. Well, won. Heavy quotes. (laughs) One of the things about JoJo that I feel uh, separates it from a lot of its peers is that while you're reading JoJo, the things that happen are so bizarre and specific. Mm -hmm. Araki just loves teaching you about things that he's interested in. Yeah. After you read Jojo, it's like, well, I feel like I understand a bit about Araki. Oh, yeah. He loves poop. Yes. (laughs) He he hates dogs. Hates dogs. Yeah, let's actually, let's talk about that. Uh, Lots more dog deaths. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I I can't remember if I brought this up in a previous episode or not, but they're like some of the weird Jojo novels that aren't written by Iraqi or whatever. But there's a couple that came up with basically their own type of stand. Like, okay, this isn't a stand. This is a blank. I forget what they're called. But they had their own naming convention where it was instead of musicians and songs and bands and stuff like that. It was just horror movies, I think. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's why th- um, Jonathan's stand is called Passion for the famous horror movie Passion of the Christ. <laughs> oh, what does that stand do? Hmm. <laughs> uh, you can't say it in, in public. Yeah, it, uh, it, <laughs> you might ruin your whole career for three yeah, years. Yeah, you might temporarily <laughs> uh, damage your career and then spend a decade complaining about how your career is ruined while it absolutely is not. While getting Oscar nominations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jonathan just suddenly becomes very anti-Semitic. <laughs> you know, English in the Victorian ages, I'm glad nobody asked him about it, you know? <laughs> Dio is even more fiendish than that wicked dog, the Irishman. <laughs> I'm very happy to learn about vampires. I'm looking at the opening for the show right now, and it kicks ass. Speaking of uh, the music, do you know who did the music? I'm sorry, I just got to the part where they introduce the character Van Heelsing <laughs> as himself. Yep. <laughs> they couldn't say Helsing, so they made it H-E apostrophe L-L sing. Yep, that's Gary Oldman. Van Heelsing. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I've only been to Medieval Times once, and I still feel very bad that the one time I was there, the falcon flew into one of the rafters and hit its head really hard. Oh, no. <laughs> it was fine. It was just a little dazed, but you could see it flying around. It went really high, high up, and you heard like a bam, and the whole audience is like, ooh, the falcon. Aww. I'm glad it was okay, though. Ta-da, there you go. The very best of Stardust Crusaders. Thanks for sitting tight. Hope you enjoyed it. What are some of your favorite bits that I missed? Let me know. Also, tomorrow is, of course, the 21st, so uh, happy Made in Heaven Day, everybody. I hope... I hope it doesn't go by too fast. Um, again, next week we are doing the the proper episode 90 with a guest that, oh, you're going to like it. I know at least two people have reached out saying they would really love to see this particular guest. So uh, I don't know. Maybe that's going to help you guess. I don't know. But before I let you go, there are some other announcements and plugs and thank yous. Let's start with our guests that that you heard uh, clips from their previous guest episodes. Uh, Let's do it chronologically. So we're going to start with Vel, Vel Mini. You can, as always, find her games on DriveThruRPG or Itch.io. Her publishing company is Liberi Gothica Games. That's L-I-B-E-R-I-G-O-T-H-I-C-A Games. You're going to find Fellowship. You're going to find Panic at the Dojo. You're going to find Final Bid. You're going to find some more stripped-down-to-the-point games like Deadbeat Monster Dad, which is very funny. And some little birdies have been telling me that a third edition of Fellowship is somewhere in pre-production. So I can't wait to see what ideas come out of that. 
You can, of course, find Vel on Twitter, for now at least, at Veleministriari. And people think I have problems saying Anazui. Uh, that is V-E-L-I-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-A-R-I. <laughs> Just start slapping vowels. You'll find it. Uh, <laughs> the second guest you heard was, of course, Jordan. Uh, and you can find Jordan's podcast, Shonen Flop, still going strong at, at your favorite podcatcher of choice. It's also expanded and grown in some really exciting ways. Very proud of them, including week-to-week mini-episodes on, you know, What's Up With Chainsaw Man Part 2? How's that going? Apparently, pretty good. Also, in that guest episode, uh, uh, we talked about uh, Jordan's other show, Mission Ignition, about vampires. Hey, remember vampires? (laughs) Well, Chip went on Mission Ignition as a guest uh, back in August 2021, and that episode should be coming out right around now. (laughs) So there you go. You can also follow Jordan on Instagram at Jordan Forbes Art. Uh, to see his paintings. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-F-O-R-B-E-S-A-R-T, Jordan Forbes Art on Instagram. Now, on to our stuff. If you're watching this on YouTube, you already know, but all of you podcast people uh, may not know, we have started a new Let's Play, just started a few days ago, and that is Kingdom Hearts, the very first Kingdom Hearts. However, the most recent re-release of the very first Kingdom Hearts. So you know how it goes. Uh, (laughs) uh, Those videos are going to be coming out twice weekly. That's the plan, Wednesdays and Saturdays. Also, I should say that uh, we have been talking to somebody to make the VTuber avatars for the uh, increased scope, as described, of of our upcoming Zork Let's Play uh, as contractually obliged uh, with that range touch prepared to give charity stream from back in the fall. It's happening. Progress is happening. I promise. Also, if you recall a few weeks ago in these outro bits, we were talking about uh, uh, Izzy Kestrel getting in touch with the both of us to do some Gex Week collaborations. Uh, Well, those happened. So you can see Josh and Jess, uh, our only two-time guest on this program, practically a regular uh, uh, star of the show, guesting on Izzy's Twitch stream. Uh, uh, You can find the VOD where you'll find the big Oral Gex slash Gextra Life crossover playing a game of Twisted the Game Show for the 3DO. That was something. Uh, But for my part, Izzy asked me to uh, uh, lend my voice to to play Gex in her game Gexfeld. Yes, that's right. It is, I guess, a 3D platformer, if I had to categorize it, where you are Gex hopping around Jerry Seinfeld's TV apartment set. Uh, you can find Gexfeld on itch.io for free. It's it's something. It sure is something. <laughs> also, very recently, I was a guest on the Dr. Huh podcast on noisespace.xyz. The format there is that the hosts are watching Doctor Who, the, the new series, the 21st Century episodes, but in an entirely random order. Every episode of that podcast ends with them hitting the random number generator to find out what they're talking about next week. And I was on, unlikely as it is, well, I suppose is equally unlikely as every other episode, to talk about Series 1, Episode 1, Rose, where the whole shebang started again in 2005. Oh, uh, speaking of Vel, which is a thing I did like a minute ago, now that I've finished getting some of these like two-page games out of my system, I have an idea for a stand fight inspired tactics game, but not so much tactics based on the abilities of stands, but on the uh, uh, narrative purpose that each of their interactions bring. That is why... Uh, its sort of working title is the Kisho Tenketsu game, right? So I think that's going to be my next big uh, uh, project, and and I plan to collaborate with Vel for that because if you'll recall, she a is really into stand types, and uh, uh, I think that's a valuable design resource. And b she made Panic at the Dojo, which is a really good, light and breezy, but still tactically deep. A battle game. So, like, yeah, 
Uh, <laughs> so in the future, I think that will exist and it will certainly have a better name. But uh, it's an idea that I, I really think could go some places. I'm mostly putting that on air just so like people can blackmail me with it and I can get nose to the grindstone in the future with, with all of you nagging me. You know, friendly though, like helpful nagging. Come on, exercise judgment. Anyhow, that is that. Again, next week we will be back with uh, me and Josh and all of Stone Ocean, but probably mostly the end because good heavens, what an end it was. <laughs> And again, a very, very special guest. Uh, that will come at you a week from today, Monday the 27th. But not only are we going to have a really special guest, we're going to have perhaps you, or at least your questions, which again, I encourage you to email to chipcheesum at chipandironicus.com with Stone Ocean in the subject line. And aside from that frankly long uh, announcement section, I think this is a pretty good episode. I say this at the end of all of our sampler episodes because I think it's true of all of them. I think this is a pretty good episode to send to somebody. If you want to have those conversations like I talked about last week, here's what I like about this show. Here's a little, little bite-sized popcorn bits of uh, uh, what we get up to here on Bizarre Podcast Dogs Must Die. Go on, spread it around. Talk to some people. Have a conversation about misogyny i guess i'm so, i'm sorry Jenner, you you got better you got better by the end but come on you you can't deny it come on see if we continue